Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. When I look at George Floyd, I look at I look at my dad, I look at my brothers, I look at my cousins, my uncles, because they are all black. I have black I have a black father, I have a black brother, I have black friends. And I I look at that and I look at how that could have been one of them. It's been nights. I stayed up apologizing and and apologizing to George Floyd for not doing more and not physically interacting and not saving his life. That is the teenager who filmed the pressing of uh, Derek Chauvin's knee into Floyd's uh, neck. That was part of her testimony. And if you listen, basically, she highlights why Floyd's death motivated many of us to join massive protest against police brutality. I mean, that's that's what that's that's exactly, that's exactly, and and basically, two three generations saying that's it. I, I'm telling you what I think. I'm, I'm taking your calls on what you think. But my generation, that's it. My grand, my parents' generation, World War II generation, after watching that documentary yesterday of uh, about the veteran Sergeant Woodward who returned home and had his eyes gouged out, gouged out, and it became a um, a, a major cause for the NAACP 1946-47 yeah I do hope you get a chance to see that documentary it was on uh PBS last night uh, and so that generation my generation my children's generation my grandchildren's generation you've got four generations that's 100 years Basically, the saying, you know what? Enough's enough. F the bobs of the world. I'm re- I'm being real. Take the, let's go to the calls. Isaac from South Carolina. Oh, and by the way, point well made. Sherry said it during the break. The defense tried to make Williams, you know, the um, martial arts expert. You know what they were trying to do, don't you? See, the lawyers don't say, can't say this, but the, but but I'm going to say it. They tried they tried to make him look like an angry black man. That's what they tried to do. They tried to make him look like an angry black man. That's how the defense handled him, right? One eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Isaac from South Carolina, welcome. Hey, Joe, good morning. How y'all doing? Okay, 
I met you and Sherry back during the Wall of Scott down in North Charleston, Joe. We're still doing the same thing. You, you know, and North same Charleston, thing. thank you. Yeah, we were, what, what church was that we were in? That was the North Charleston, it was AME over there in North Charleston. I forgot the name of it. I forgot the name, but, and man, there were about four or 500 people showed up. We had a, a, a pack house that night. Yeah, and and um, and and uh, remember that was the officer who mm-hmm. ended up shooting mm-hmm. a suspect in the back. In the back. <laughs> and Lord knows. And once again, had it not been mm-hmm. for a bypasser, oh, this right. is this is very similar. Yeah. Somebody was happened to be in the yard next door, saw it, and took out his video, his camera, his, his phone. And videoed that officer would have got away. That's right. That's Go right. ahead. But he's yeah. in prison today. He's in he prison got a today. That's sentence. right. Yeah. Very few of them in prison, but he in prison. Uh, Joe, the uh, just uh, another issue you just mentioned that that uh, Augusta uh, that that soldier that got his eyes gouged out. He was from Augusta, Georgia area. Yes. I yes. remember Is that. Is that right? Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Woodward yeah, was but, his name. He he was he had just been he had just come back from uh, you know uh, and, and there were over nine hundred thousand uh, African American soldiers came back, uh-huh. and the, the documentary was so well done. Right. Uh, and how they were considered a threat. They thought they had fought for this country. Yeah. And they right. became threats. And right. uh, and they and so they beat him. The ship, they the bus stopped in this small town. Uh, the the bus driver uh, told him to get to the back of the bus. A boy, and and then the the bus driver stopped apparently in this town, and they had a hard time trying to find the sheriff that did it. Mm-hmm. They eventually put him on trial, mm-hmm. and of course, of course, it, it you know they the all white jury. Acquitted him, but go ahead. Yeah, uh, uh, tending to Bob, Joe. Bob from Massachusetts, and Bob sounds just like one of those people from Massachusetts. And I'm not grouping everybody together up there, but during the '60s, late '60s, '70s, when busing was going on, Bob mm-hmm. sounds like those same kind of folks up there in Massachusetts. If he'd have been put in jail, if he was been black and put in jail like that, he'd have been beat up in jail. Look, I look, I, yeah, I I was up in Massachusetts when they were desegregating the public schools, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this uh, iconic photograph. It reminds me of what happened January sixth uh, demonstration, yeah. and and this white guy so had American he had American flag on a pole, and he was stabbing. One of the protesters. I, I I still have that image. We we were part. Of, I was part of a of a, of a nonviolent march. NAACP. I was with NAACP at the time. A nonviolent march, and uh, these folks went crazy, went nuts. Reminiscence of January 6th where they're stabbing police officers. That's exactly right. That's why I said, we see, people, y'all need to be listening. Listen, white America, y'all need to be listening. We've seen this movie before. And and it's been repeated over and over again. And maybe C-SPAN can't say this, but I can. People are not putting up with it. Pat from Louisiana, good morning. 
Good morning, Mr. Madison. Everybody, how you guys doing this morning? Okay. All right. If there's a little noise, I'm a truck driver, but I'm gonna try to. I got two comments I want to make. That guy Bob that was on C-SPAN sounds yeah. just like the guy that called in yesterday named Bobby. They kind of sound just alike. And it's white people like that that feel that police can treat black people any kind of way they want, but it's not good for them to be treated in such a way like like they treat us. And uh, my second point, I'm sorry. Well, the thing I was saying is the absurdity of what that caller on C-SPAN said was, oh, I, I got my head bashed in and I was just 14 years old. And he compares that to somebody losing their life. I mean, that's the that that's the absurdity of it. Go ahead. Yeah, and my second point is, uh, far as as that uh, martial arts guy, I don't understand the question behind that, which I do understand is rhetorical. They just trying to make him look bad and make him look angry and discredit him as if you know he just mad because he was cussing at the police, cursing him out. He yeah. shouldn't cuss him out because I mean he would they won't allow him to help if he kept kept his knee into his neck. But that's- Henry from Georgia. Henry. Hey, good morning, Black Eagle, Madam EP, and the rest of the staff. Uh, as far as Bob, man, anybody with an ounce of humanity or decency would be hard-pressed to uh, watch that video twice, let alone once, man. And anybody that says otherwise that that wasn't wrong is just absolutely lying, man. You're right, he's absurd. And uh, that was a, uh, you know, Chauvin and, and Floyd had history together. Chauvin used to be a security guard at a club that right. uh, George used to work at. And right. it was reputed that they, uh, they, they had some beef. But the, uh, the, the, the other co-worker kind of recanted his statement. But while I was Googling that to verify it, there is, it, 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 there is a lot of uh, testimonials, basically transcripts, of all of Chauvin's complaints of uh, excessive force. I mean, it's a lot of them, and I'm sure it'll come up in court. And uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, who is this from Delaware? Yeah. Moyer, how do you pronounce your name from Delaware? Good morning, Mr. Madison. Uh, Moisir. Moisir. Okay, go right ahead. All right. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um Bobby from Massachusetts, he's just a troll. But I, I love your show. I love your show for you to put that on. Um, I remember mentioning to my wife when Trump was uh, um, in his first uh, uh, trial for this uh, impeachment in, in Ukraine, I would be watching C-SPAN, and every time I go to break, C-SPAN will put somebody that would talk good, and related to the defense of Donald Trump. So I'm not only mad because Bob is just a troll. Whatever he said does make no sense. And But C-SPAN does that all the time. No, I, Leroy from North Carolina. Hey, good morning, family. Good morning. I'm, I'm calling about Bob. Uh, I seen the video when it first came out last year. I don't have to see it again. But I use what you taught me to be, use my theater of the mind. So as I listen to the testimony, I can see the MMM fighter being profane to be profound to get attention. I can see the EMT offering her expertise from what she's seen. Right. And the and the 17-year-old and her testimony, I can see her.
just imagining him on the ground and him applying more force to George's neck. And for Bob to say that they were being polite, no, that's the wrong answer. They, they killed the man. They killed the man. And, and, and by like the said, way, everybody's human. And, yes, and by the way, I'm going to say it as I said in the first hour, uh, Leroy, all it takes is one Bob on that jury. Yes, sir. And you would have a mistrial. Yes, sir. That's all you had. That, that's all you would have to uh, need. You would have a uh, a mistrial. Doesn't need. So we'll see. That's why. That's why I'm cautious, optimistically cautious. You know, it's been too long since I've had the congresswoman from the 18th congressional district of Texas on. My good friend, uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee. Oh, and before we get started, our good buddy, the dear uh, Professor uh, Skip Gates, told me to tell you hello, your former um, <laughs> classmate, yeah. and, and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, uh, you know, I've been following for years your efforts as it relates to uh, reparations. And it's interesting, Evanston, Illinois, uh, the city where Northwestern University is, I've been in and out of that uh, city uh, over the years, they have, they put together uh, a, 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 a issue related to reparations and housing. Um, and this, you know, it, people are now sort of p- paying close attention. But for my audience, please explain to them what your intent with H.R. 40 is. Well, first of all, Joe, it is a pleasure to be with you this morning, and let's do it again. I am uh, an enthusiastic and longtime supporter of the efforts of Evanston, Illinois, with Alderman Simmons, uh, which lays out uh, a, a pathway that people can understand the unexplainable now becomes understandable. And I'm so glad you said that I've been working on this for many years, including with the late dean, my friend and colleague, uh, John Conyers, as I came under his tutelage on the House Judiciary Committee many years ago. He filed this bill in 1989, right after the reparations were given to our beloved friends who were interned in the 1940s, pre-World War II or during World War II, Japanese-Americans, through no fault of their own through bogus uh, accusations of spying and undermining the American government. They are, uh, by the way, our strongest or among our strongest supporters, most recently testifying at a hearing uh, in Congress. Reparations for those who are uh, listening uh, and those who will now spread the word uh, is an international term. It's a term that Germany knows well. It's a term that has been used uh, in countries outside of the United States to respond to a harm uh, that has been done that needs to be repaired and restored. And my greatest advocacy is to get African-Americans to understand that it is not too late. It's not yesterday. Uh, It's not that thing. It's not slavery that is gone. It is, frankly, uh, a reasonable legal term and response to America's original sin uh, and, of course, the response uh, to how do you address that original sin, which is slavery. Of course, in the legislation, um, Joe, it should be noted uh, that this had been a government-sanctioned law and process uh, and action. 
And so we're not going to neighbors and uh, going into diverse neighborhoods and knocking on doors and asking Mr. and Mrs. Jones, Mr. and Mrs. Smith to write a, a check or to provide any kind of response at this time. What we are saying is that the government has an obligation uh, through this legislation, which is legislation, uh, emphasize action. Uh, the government has a responsibility to develop this commission with appointees by the majority leader of the Senate, the House of Representatives, the Speaker, and the President of the United States to begin thorough work on how do you address dealing with all that was provided to this country through slavery. And that's what it is. I can't imagine anyone that would believe that America's history and America's today did not deserve this kind of cleansing that is absolutely imperative. And and so <clears throat> 40 is, in short, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, is you put together a commission, and and, and am I, am I, I don't want to oversimplify it, and that is to study uh, what? To study what? What would be the mission? And I'm glad what? you asked that as well. Very yes. astute. We have modified, uh, amended, improved. Um, uh, we have um, modernized this legislation. It is to study and the action item and to develop proposals for reparation. So we are now moving to understanding. The study is to be able to provide the American people in the world, uh, frankly, the uh, intrinsic and um, very um, deeply embedded uh, success, if I may use that term, mm -hmm. that America had because of unpaid labor, because of bondage of people for over 200 years. We created cotton as king. That's heard, and people let it go over their head. Cotton becoming king provided the wealth of the land itself, which ultimately was the richest part of the country, and that provided for the establishment of the Wall Street banks. That was our original money, if you will, uh, and, of course, the wealth of the transatlantic slave trade, which made Europe wealthy and the United States wealthy, none of which uh, returned to those who had lived in bondage. Many lived, many were born, lived, and died in bondage, and these were slaves. No other community, no other group of people were able to be enslaved. They tried the Native Americans, who, of course, living in their own challenges through history, uh, but nobody was able to uh, be subjected or worked as hard and as effectively, I hate to use this terminology, uh, to make uh, the uh, landed South and others, up South and North South, say these are the people we should put in bondage. The indigenous uh, that came over who happened to be white, who were uh, very poor in Europe and who were basically deported out of Europe, they didn't work either for a long period of time. And the, and the interesting part of it is that they could have made us indigent uh, uh, persons, indentured servants, and that means we could have paid our way out. They did not do that. They established slavery by law. We were not even considered a whole person when the Constitution was written. And that was to ensure that the South did not overtake the North because they had more population. Why? Because slaves were in the South, they were in the Caribbean, they were in Brazil, uh, they were in Europe, uh, and this was the way that wealth was created. So that is why this commission will provide you with the roadmap. It'll be a deep dive into all of the angst of slavery and how the disparities in our communities today, from health care to education uh, to housing to wealth, 
um, all translate from slavery. We earn in a family of four average $17,000, and our white counterparts, in spite of the fact that poverty reigns among every group, make about $200,000 average. Such a stark difference continues today in wealth in the African-American community. Uh, Congresswoman uh, uh, Sheila Jackson Lee is with us, and just a couple more questions, and that is, um, once you've done, once the commission has done the deep dive, um, then what is the next step? We would like uh, that commission, as it does the deep dive, to, as I said, the language in the uh, title of the commission is to develop reparation proposals and that commission will be entrusted by listening to all of the scholars and research uh, to develop how should uh, this response be given in okay. housing, in education, in health care, <clears throat> gotcha. yeah. science, etc. So uh, this will be a landscape of uh, proposals to address these deep inequities that I want people to understand still uh, exist uh, today. You, you, it is glaring. Mass incarceration, for example, uh, the heinous tragedy of the death and the murder, as we have evidence in the testimony in the George Floyd trial. Why did those officers, besides the fact of people addressing the question of law enforcement changes through the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, let me be very clear. Um, I want to be very clear on the record. There are people who understand outstanding policing and how to deal with this infrastructure that we have seated ourselves to, which is law and order. But there are others who seemingly uh, view uh, black men in particular uh, as expendable. Does that translate from slavery? Is that stark disparity of treatment coming in from the history and the vestiges of slavery? Why do we not as a nation want to know that so that we can be the perfect union that the Constitution indicated that we were gathering for to create a more perfect union. And I'm going to say this, Joe, in the early parts of the presidential election, um, uh, we heard our friend, uh, as you well know, Reverend L. Sharpton had his annual uh, sessions with uh, presidential candidates who were willing uh, to indicate their support for H.R. 40. By, by the way, that means 40 acres and a mule. We just took that uh, name uh, to signify what was uh, offered but never given because it was quashed by the uh, death of Abraham Lincoln and the uh, succeeding uh, to the next president of the United States. Sounds like uh, what happened from Obama to, to uh, the last president. Uh, but in any event, um, this concept is to move forward uh, to understand that no one ever uh, gave any compensation or gave any mm -hmm. addressing of the question. And today right. we can document disparities, including uh, a Harvard Medical School, Harvard University Medical School, recent peer review study that I asked right. all of your listeners to look up that indicated if reparations had been given before COVID-19, our community would not have been the most uh, devastated with hospitalizations, infections, and deaths that it turned out to be. It is a real response to real disparities that translated through the ages, if you will, through the centuries into communities today. Okay. So as I listen, I'm, and because you know one of the pushbacks is, oh, all this, in, all this means is somebody's going to get a check. And, <laughs> from, and what you've just explained to us, that's not it. 
that and and that's a false argument. Am I correct? It's a false argument because, uh, as I said, it, uh, reparations is an international concept. It is to repair, and to be able to be comprehensive, it has to be a comprehensive look uh, at at where we are in America. Housing. That's why uh, the uh, proposal in Evanston, Illinois. I believe will work. It will be a wonderful pilot, and it will be a wonderful laboratory uh, for uh, uh, what could happen. Uh, they're providing, I think, down payments for individuals to secure housing, um, right. education, right. HBCUs. No HBCU should ever close. Yeah, it should, it's going to be concrete. It's going to be a concrete look at what slavery did to America, and then a concrete response on how you ensure that that is repaired. And let everybody know that when you repair one group of people in this country, uh, you then lift the boats of all people. If by chance that reparation then does uh, cause a response to indigenous people like Native Americans, people want to know the conditions that they live in today, then so be it. How good that is. Uh, Or others who are equally um, economically or socially deprived this is a lifting of votes of all of us, but it is dealing in specifically with the enslaved uh, descendants of enslaved Africans who never to this date, in spite of, and let me say this, I want to say this loudly and clearly, because here's another rebuttal. Uh, my, good, my good brother and wonderful host and good friend uh, is look at all that you have. Look at the entertainers and the uh, the uh, sports legends and uh the uh, president of the United States, you know, we've heard that from one elected official. You got your president. That's all you right. need. Right. Uh, and I'm right. delighted to hear that President Obama has just uh, recently acknowledged that reparations needs con- uh, serious consideration. The chairman of the Federal Reserve in Atlanta says reparations are now yes. appropriate. That just so happened just a couple is, of days ago. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. a couple of days ago. So we cannot ourselves ignore uh, what is a legitimate legal concept that will lift the boat of all Americans. All right. And, and, and you, do you have other hearings planned? Question number one. Question number two, uh, at this point, what type of support do you have to move this on, to move this forward? I'm so glad in, you in asked Congress. the question. First, first of all, we have the support of the majority leader, uh, in the United States Senate, uh, and that is uh, Mr. Schumer. Uh, likewise, we're delighted to have as our Senate co-sponsor uh, the Honorable Cory Booker with a number of members of the Senate already co-sponsoring. Uh, we have all the leadership of the House of Representatives, more specifically the Speaker of the House, uh, the uh, uh, Leader of the House, the Whip of the House, the Chairman of the Democratic Caucus, and others. Who are supporting it. We have a cross-section of members uh, who come from moderate, uh, conservative, and liberal backgrounds. But then, more specifically, the way the House and the legislation works, we have had two very significant hearings that have never been held in the history of this bill already, uh, and dynamic testimony. And so we will be marking up, and you're a Washingtonian, it will be marked up. You know that's a big deal, never in the history of the United States. Have we marked up a bill entitled H.R. 40, the Commission to Study and Develop Reparations? That is preparing it for the floor. And the next step then will go to the floor of the House for a vote. 
uh, the next final step would be to work with our Senate, to work with our president, uh, and to find the next step for this legislation. Well, I'll close by saying my uh, dear friend who uh, uh, I was a mentee of for years, John Conyers would be very proud of you. Um, and um, uh, you, you, you know, that torch was passed, and uh, you certainly have kept it lit, and I appreciate it. Just keep us, tell your staff, keep us posted. And we at will. any point in time, you need a, an audience to, to, you know, and I take it what my audience should be doing is contacting uh, their congressional representative and ask for their support and to sign on to this. Is that correct? Joe, you you are, as they say, you're Mr. You're Mr. Legislation, Mr. Washington. You know what the situation is. Yes, I need all of your listeners to ask their member of Congress, have you signed on to H.R. Yep. 40, the Commission to Study and Develop Reparation Proposals? It, it won't sting. It won't bite. Uh, <laughs> but it will be a responsive uh, way of dealing with America's history. And we are in the immediate few days. For a few days from now, you will see... Uh, the markup of this legislation. We're not announcing the, the date at this uh, time, but you will see that coming about. And okay. so um, we are uh, looking forward for that uh, increasing support of all of my members. Let me thank my members, Joe, if I could, colleagues who have come on to this bill willingly calling up our office, saying, add me to this bill. Southerners are on this legislation, Westerners, Northerners, Easterners. This is a bill that's bringing us together. And the presidential elections went forward, uh, and uh, those who uh, indicated their support did not lose ground. Uh, in fact, um, uh, the vice president was a supporter of H.R. 40 uh, and now working, of course, uh, with the president of the United States, who has led on the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Act. Why? Because America needed to be restored in the midst of COVID-19. I think if people understand how that works they will understand that this is a reasonable legislative response uh, to something that has not been responded to, but in a new emerging diverse America and a healing time, even in spite of what we are facing, even uh, as we look for justice in Minneapolis, know that this can be a healing step forward for America. Appreciate it. Look forward to our next conversation. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, stay safe and thank you so much for coming on. So honored to be with you and uh, bless you and uh, have a happy Holy Week and uh, uh, Passover and all other commemorations that people are engaged in this week. Um, May you be blessed. We'll be back in touch. Appreciate it. You can listen to yours truly, Madison the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.